What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here, and we're going to start to sound like a broken record, aren't we? That's what Mike Schultz said tonight after the Cardinals' sixth consecutive loss, eight out of nine. You'll hear a little bit of the commentary from Mike Schilt from after the game, but primarily I'm not going to spend 30 minutes just talking about the specifics of the Cardinals' 10-1 loss at the hands of the Cleveland Indians at Bush Stadium on Tuesday. Shane Bieber was the starter for the Indians. You kind of figured it was going to be a long night for the offense, given that information. Bieber goes six, gives up just one run on five hits, a couple of walks, only five strikeouts for Shane Bieber, who improved to 7-3 and three on the season, and his ERA stands at 2.96, one of the better pitchers in the American League, former Cy Young Award winner. You didn't figure the Cardinals would necessarily get a bunch off of him tonight. This may seem kind of an elementary question, but how hard is it to win when you've rarely been ahead? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I've said, you know, um, we're going to break the record um, that I'm tired of saying this, you know, it's going to sound like a broken record, but we're about to break it because um, we're about to get hot. Um, we just haven't been able to get play with the lead. You know, we haven't had a lead, you know, basically, you know, in the last stretch of this homestand. So, and then in the last game in LA. Um, so, you know, hard to win with without it. <laughs> so we've uh, got to get, out in front and um, keep playing clean defense, string together more consistent at bats. And um, like I said, we're about to get hot. The matchup not necessarily bearing well toward the Cardinals snapping this losing skid. On the other side, Carlos Martinez had another tough outing. You recall the last one, he didn't get out of the first inning, giving up like 10 runs, I believe it was. His previous turn in the rotation tonight, he gives up a couple in the first and then there was the long home run he surrendered to Jose Ramirez. Only goes four innings, gives up five runs, seven hits, a walk. Did have seven strikeouts in one of those innings. I think it was the third. I put the StatCast image up there because every ball put in play was at least like 95 miles per hour or more exit velocity off the bat. Several of them over 100 miles per hour. But he struck out the side in this inning when he gave up the homer to Ramirez. So... Hard contact galore against Martinez. His ERA for the season now at 6.21. He didn't even talk to the media tonight, and there was Mike Schilt didn't have a reason for it. I think he just didn't want to. And so Mike Schilt said he would see about making sure the media gets a chance to talk with Carlos tomorrow pregame. But it's just that kind of situation. We spoke via Zoom to Paul Goldschmidt. That was about it. Everybody took turns. Asking him, Paul, what's it like to be in this horrible stretch right now? And Goldsmith, pretty level-headed guy, you know, isn't going to tell you the sky's falling and sticks to the line knowing that they're, they're always just one win away from breaking out of this thing. But for the fans right now, that's not the way people see it, and understandably so. We've talked ad nauseum about the issues this Cardinals team is facing right now and a lot of reasons that there isn't a lot of optimism in the immediate future because the issues with the team, the starting pitching, having injury concerns and you're not at full strength in that area, 
You've got Adam Wainwright going on Wednesday. That's probably your best chance to get a victory throughout your rotation because Martinez is not pitching well right now. John Gant just got blown up in his last outing. You've got Oviedo doing what he can to get out there and give you give you a chance. But in his last outing, probably his best appearance as a starter this season, he's only going to go four innings. So, and really, you've only you've only got four starters as it is with Kwon Young Kim on the injured list. So it's it's all very bleak right now. Ten to one was the score. Junior Fernandez gave up four runs in the ninth. He's not pitching well this season. Uh, Ponce and Elledge had a scoreless inning each. Woodford gave up a run in his inning that he pitched. Also hit a guy, walked a guy. Andrew Miller looked decent, but gave up a couple of hits in his lone inning tonight. So the bullpen, by and large, okay outside of Junior Fernandez. But you score one run, yeah, it's not going to get it done. I know the Cardinals scored seven in their last game. But remember, that only that all came in one inning on Sunday. Otherwise, they look pretty hapless at the plate right now. Matt Carpenter deserves some credit. Two for three, hit by pitch, so he was on base three times tonight. Batting average is creeping up there, 177. He may be above 200 before long if he continues on this trajectory. And at that point, you won't really be able to differentiate differentiate him from Paul Goldschmidt because Goldschmidt, though he's hitting 251, the OPS of 724, there's a, less than 100 percentage points between Goldsmith and Carpenter at this point in time, and that's not really what you want. It's not like Goldsmith's doing terribly, but and he was on base twice tonight as well, but the power numbers just simply have not been there for Goldsmith lately. And Patrick Wisdom tonight hit his eighth home run of the season for the Chicago Cubs, surpassing Goldsmith's homer total on the year. And Wisdom's only been a thing for like three weeks or something at this point, so it's that you know that's just a, an illustration of the way things are going for the Cardinals offensively right now. Only able to muster one run again. It's Shane Bieber's, so that's not entirely surprising. But you do at some point have to do better. You have to find ways to string together at bats and win games. Mike Schilt, I mentioned the broken record line. I'm not going to play you much of his post game tonight because what more is there to be said? But he did make a proclamation though that the Cardinals are about to turn things around. So I'm going to play a little bit of a clip of that for you. And then we're going to basically, for the purposes of this podcast, put this game behind us specific to breaking down the nitty gritty. I've already kind of run over the highlights with you. I sent out a tweet after the game asking for questions, comments, discussion topics that are pressing in your mind as a Cardinals fan right now to be discussed after this loss. The Car- I mean, it's been a full week now since the Cardinals have won a game. They won on Tuesday a week ago. It's Tuesday today. They lost. That's six in a row. Add the off day in. When you wake up on Wednesday, it will have been more than a week since the Cardinals last won a game. So that'll be a big spot for Wainwright on Wednesday, but we'll get into that a little bit, and we'll talk about primarily some of the questions and comments that people had. I'm just going to roll through it and see what people have said. I haven't even read a lot of it yet, but I'm going to try to address anybody that had a genuine commentary. Sometimes there will be some things I can't necessarily read or or discuss at much length because they might be a little sarcastic, which is okay if it's sarcastic, but I'll try to address what I can address and, and leave the rest. But first, before we get into that, let's have you hear from Mike Schilt. You'll hear the question from the Commissioner Rick Hummel that sort of leads into this answer from Schilt on what he expects to see from the Cardinals 
here going forward. He certainly hasn't lost his optimism as of yet. This may seem kind of an elementary question, but how hard is it to win when you've rarely been ahead? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I've said, you know, um, we're going to break the record um, that I'm tired of saying this, you know, because I sound like a broken record, but we're about to break it because um, we're about to get high. Um, we just haven't been able to get play with the lead. You know, we haven't had a lead, you know, basically, you know, in the last stretch of this homestand. So, and then in the last game in LA, um, so, you know, hard to win with, without it. <laughs> so we've uh, got to get out in front and um, keep playing clean defense, string together more consistent at bats. And um, like I said, we're about to get hot. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt declaring that the Cardinals are about to get hot. And I cannot imagine some of the eye rolls going through Cardinals Nation hearing that tonight. We've talked about what else is Mike Schilt going to say He was asked later on what leads him to believe that the Cardinals are going to get hot. I don't know that you guys necessarily care to hear the minutia of that. Look, the manager's got to maintain some sense of positivity. This is the worst stretch the Cardinals have had in, in some time. Certainly during Mike Schilt's tenure as the Cardinals manager, they haven't gone through a stretch this bad, and he's gonna, you know, we're learning how Mike Schilt deals with that. When, when they had stretches like this under Mike Matheny, you know, eventually the, they fired the guy because that was kind of toward the end of a culmination of things that had been building over the course of several seasons. Some of the questions I may get to here, mates, I, I think we'll ask about, you know, personnel changes. What changes could the Cardinals make when you get into coaching decisions that could be made? I don't think, you know, we're not talking about firing a manager, we're not talking about firing a, a GM or president of baseball operations. I know that the Fire Mo clan is always out and loud whenever these stretches happen where the team's not performing. And people look at the roster right now and say, well, Mosellock built this, and they built it in such a way that they weren't prepared for the kind of injuries that were likely to happen, that were possible to happen, however you view it. you know, I wouldn't say that the injuries the Cardinals have gone through were necessarily likely, but you you did hear me beat the drum for the fact that they would lose two starters in spring training. Well, they didn't necessarily lose two in spring training. It took kind of toward the end where you had Michaelis go down and then Kwon Young Kim. So, yeah, I guess that was two in spring training. I was right, damn it. But uh, now you've lost Jack Flaherty, and that hurts more than the other two combined, I would say. So fans are frustrated, and that's understandable. So let's just jump into it. I'll start reading through my Menchies. Mentions on Twitter at bshafer12. I don't know. It's probably not going to be pretty, but I I put it out there, and that was my decision, something I felt like people might have some things to ask about, talk about tonight. And rather than have to talk for 25, 30 minutes specifically about this game, I thought we can start looking ahead to changes potentially that the Cardinals believe should be made, Cardinals fans believe should be made. So let's get into it. I'm just going to start at the top and work my way down at the backwards. DJ asks, what do you think the Cardinals need to do to fix the offense and the pitching? Thanks for giving me a softball to start off, JD. Do you try to find inside help and call up top guys who might not be fully ready, or do you look outside? And then he asks, do you fire the hitting coach and those in that department? Look, I've talked about Jeff Albert being kind of in an inflection point in his time with the Cardinals. 
when they hired the guy three years ago, it was to overhaul the entire organizational structure and approach to hitting and brought in his guys and has has established that now, right? And so that's got to bear fruit at some point. And I know you've dealt with your injuries, but mainly those have been on the pitching side. You've had plenty of injuries offensively as well, but you've still got your core guys like Goldsmith, Arenado, Dylan Carlson is still healthy. Tyler O'Neill has produced, actually, this season and turned into kind of one of your main guys. Yadier Molina, though he's been out the last couple of days, Cardinals are hoping to get him back for Wednesday because they haven't put him on the injured list, and Wednesday's an Adam Wainwright start, and God forbid you have a different catcher catch Wayno in this season. They're they're working on that record, right? I think Yadi and Wayno surpassed fourth or so all time on the most starts together as a battery list. So I would think Yadi would be back in there on Wednesday, if at all it's possible for him to do so. But Yadi's had a pretty solid offensive season. You've had productivity from Edmundo Sosa a little bit as well. Like I mentioned, had a, a two-hit night tonight, but lately it's just been inconsistent offensively you have the one big inning on Sunday otherwise just not a whole lot to speak of over the course of the last week and you can't have an offense disappear for that period of time and expect to be able to tread water much less win games at a high level like a contending team would expect to do it's got to fall on the hitting at some point and I don't know if the Cardinals are at that point yet where a change would be made. Jeff Albert makes has a good contract, makes a lot of money, high-paid coach. You look on the pitching side, the question, and I figured this would be kind of a main topic, so I'm glad this came up first from J.D. What do you do to fix the offense of the pitching? People might wonder, and if, if you did ask lower down, I'll read it and see it, but what do you do? Pitching coach, Mike Maddox, is there something to be done on that front? I would say I would say more definitively no to that answer rather than the Jeff Albert conversation because when you look at it yes the pitching has been highly problematic you're walking guys at a league high rate you're hitting batters at a rate that just is not sustainable if you're going to be a successful team but you also have major injuries particularly to the rotation that's helping to cause a lot of these issues the bullpen's had its issues, and that needs to be addressed. I just don't think the message is right or, or that the result ends up being what you're looking for to fire the pitching coach right now. And you can't, It's hard, too, though, to fire the hitting coach when the pitching has been probably even a bigger issue. I don't know. It's hard to rank which has been more of a problem as of late. I think it's more justifiably the pitching in some regards because you can point to the injuries as a reason, but then elements – of the pitching staff that aren't necessarily related to injury. You you still have 12 out of 15, or you could say 15 out of 20, generally guys that you anticipated would be part of this pitching staff. You've still got a lot of those guys healthy. I know Cody Whitley's down with an injury. There's probably a couple of others that I'm, you know, Jordan Hicks, obviously. But the bullpen counts as part of the pitching staff, and that's where a lot of these hit-by-pitches and walks have come from so far this season so that isn't necessarily something you can entirely chalk up to injury but I know people like to ultimately point at coaches when things are going wrong because a shakeup feels necessary but my answer is I don't know that firing a coach at this point in time is going to make that instant big difference if that's the right answer for the Cardinals 
the problem is the personnel is the personnel. The guys they have on the field or who they have on the field. Offensively, you look at the names in this lineup, you don't have a lot of obvious guys that you're looking to replace. Obviously, right field has been a chasm with the Harrison Bader injury, and I think it's more a reflection of the fact that you just don't have a very strong bench if you're cycling through guys like Rondon. They haven't trusted Nagowski into the outfield even once this season, but he hasn't performed offensively in the chances he's had to dictate that. Lane Thomas has been bad offensively. Andrew Kisner is starting at catcher relatively frequently lately because of Yachty's injury situations, but he's not hitting either. So you've got areas of the the roster that aren't producing Goldsmith underperforming. I'd even say Arenado underperforming to his capabilities, even though he's had some solid games and his numbers overall, 841 OPS is fine. It's just not Nolan Arenado-esque, but you kind of figured there could be a little bit of a drop-off going from Colorado to St. Louis. It's it's just generally the offense isn't good enough, and I don't know what the obvious answers are to fix it. By the end of the year, could Jeff Albert be gone if the Cardinals don't turn things around at the plate? Absolutely, and that's a very valid discussion. To do it midseason I, and, and the fallout of what that would look like throughout the organization, you got to have a plan in place for what you're going to then do in, in to replace the, the system you've got in place. And so I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. I understand, though, if you're saying, well, if you're talking about the end of the year could be an option to make a change at hitting coach, why would you wait if, if things are pretty dire in the middle of the season? I totally get that. I do think it's a little bit of a, a strange optic, though, if the pitching is going out there and, and Carlos Martinez gives up 15 earned runs over the course of his last two starts and combined doesn't get you through five innings in those two outings. And you've got the issues you've got on the rest of the roster, leading the league in walks, hit by pitches, etc. To fire the hitting coach, to have that be the move that's made, I, I don't know that that necessarily makes as much sense. It's just not great optics. And people say, well, who cares about the optics at this point? It's The optics are bad. It's brutal out here. So I can understand all of those points of view, but I'm kind, of, I'm kind of trying to talk my way through it as well as we do the podcast. Question to, to finish off, and we've only gotten through one question so far, but he asked kind of three, and they're all good questions, so I want to get to them. Do you, he asks about looking for inside help and calling up top guys who might not be ready. That would be Matthew Libichor, Zach Thompson. What do you do? We were talking about it with, uh, I was with a couple of other guys walking out of the press box tonight. Matthew Libertor, would you want to call him up when the Cardinals need a starter over the weekend, potentially, unless you go Oviedo again? Could Matthew Libertor, could they just say, screw it, we're bringing him up and starting him Friday? That would be full capacity Wrigley Field, Major League debut for the prospect that was traded for Randy Arozarena. Yeah, I personally wouldn't be going that route because the downside is far too tremendous compared to the upside, which I guess the upside, though, is pretty high as well. If you consider a successful outing by Libertor beating the Cubs, stopping what could at that point be a seven-game losing skid over the course of nine days, that would be pretty big to to do against your rival and to, to quiet down the Wrigley Field capacity 100% crowd. I could see the desire to want to go that route. I also think there's too much room for it to go really poorly. And so I'm waiting to put Libertor in a little bit of a better situation. I think you do see him this year. I just, because I think the Cardinals are getting so desperate, unless they're making multiple 
trades for starting pitchers. If Libertor even looks halfway competent at AAA when he continues on there, and he's not going to Tokyo. I don't know if I don't think that's been officially stated one way or the other. There is no way they can allow him to go pitch in the Olympics at this point. They they need him. They're going to have to have him ready to come up at some point. I don't know when it's going to be. I'd be surprised at this point if you don't see him in St. Louis making a start in 2021. I, I just think if he's looked competent enough, I know he had a solid start in that Olympic trials. I think you just got to you gotta go with it and bring him up at some point. I wouldn't necessarily let that point be Friday at Wrigley Field. But yeah, even if it's not fully ready, like that's where the Cardinals are at. You're either making a trade this week or you're looking to, to make a move and, and bring somebody up. Whether they're ready or not, here he comes. That's that's kind of where the Cardinals are at. So I could absolutely see the argument for it, and I'd be surprised if in the next, even within the next six weeks, you don't see Matthew Libertor in St. Louis. Trevor asks, "Do you think they can right the ship, or do you think it's going to spiral out of control that they can't recover right now?" I'm thinking the latter because we can't do anything right. Well, Cardinals have done some things right, and that's the thing over the weekend that Mike Schilt was holding on to so tightly. The fact that they did have either the tying or winning run involved in the action at some point in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's game. So they're doing some things right to be able to to make it close, but you got swept in four by the Reds. And then Joey Votto was talking mess. I don't even think Joey Votto played in that series. If he did, it was not extensively. Maybe he's hurt right now. I don't know. But he was talking some mess. If you've seen that, called the Cardinals some... Uh, S-talking mother effers. Not going to repeat necessarily go into that on the podcast, but yeah. Joey Votto was enjoying the fact that the Cardinals were swept by his Cincinnati Reds. I do think the Cardinals can right the ship. I don't think it's going to happen by wishes and magic and rainbows and sunshine and all that good stuff. I think it's going to happen by moves. The front office has got to get involved. I know it's not ideal to have to make moves in early June, but... This is where you are. You've got to do something. You cannot afford to let the slide last long enough that you're out of contention. So do I think they can right the ship? Yes, but it doesn't happen by sitting on your hands. I think you've got to get involved and try to force the issue a little bit if you're John Mozeliak and company. Ryan asks, is it too much to ask to trade for Max Scherzer, Jose Barrios, and Kyle Gibson? We talked yesterday, if you missed B-Shape Daily, Tuesday morning out of the Monday night when I recorded it on the off day. Talked about Kyle Gibson as one of the options the Cardinals could potentially trade for. We talked a lot about trade options and targets that could bolster the pitching staff yesterday. Max Scherzer was discussed extensively. I recommend you go check out yesterday's episode. Jose Barrios is a name that we did not touch on. I think that the Twins would ask for more than the Cardinals are willing to give. And this is a a trade poll I think I'm going to put out there at some point. Nolan Gorman for Max Scherzer. Would you do it? Max Scherzer on an expiring contract, 36 years old, I want to say. Nolan Gorman, future offensive powerhouse, potentially. You're hoping if you're the Cardinals. And so are you willing to give up arguably your top position player prospect that hasn't yet appeared at the major league level for somebody who could end up being a rental, even if he is a stud at the position that you're so desperate to fix? I, I would say no would be my answer, but I think it's interesting enough to put out there in a trade poll that I may throw that up either tonight when I finish up this podcast or tomorrow. Or maybe save it for the off day on Thursday. We'll see. I'm not entirely sure when I'll do that yet. 
But Barrios, interesting. I would I would trade Nolan Gorman for Barrios, I think. I don't know exactly what his contract status is. I think he's got at least one more year on the deal when the Twins aren't in contention right now. But he's an ace caliber arm. Come over from the American League, I think Barrios would be a really good fit. But again, it's a matter of a little bit more controllable, younger guy. Twins don't have to trade him. So I think you could you could have to you would definitely have to give a guy like Gorman and probably then some to get Barrios. But anyway, uh, is it too much to ask for that? Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade for three guys. But Ryan, I think you knew that when he asked the question. But appreciate you for chiming in as always. Cardinals STL Random Stats asks: Seeing the trade deadline when most likely to add can't come soon enough. Where would you gauge this current roster's talent? Will they even be in the mix come time to make the trades? And would Mo even deviate from his usual hesitance to acquire impact players at the deadline? Well, they've acquired impact players at the deadline. I think for all the talk about incremental upgrades that Moselak has made over the years, those are the kind of deals that we don't see from him at the deadline very often. Like, it's either a a big splashy deal, whether it's in the offseason like Arnado Goldschmidt, so, to be fair, more of the big splashy deals have been in the offseason rather than at the deadline, which I think is it comes as a result of, they mentioned, the, the questioner asked and, and mentioned hesitance by Moselock. I don't think that's a fair or an unfair way to describe him. I think Mo is definitely very calculated and doesn't feel like he wants to, to make a, a, a brash decision from a position of desperation, and sometimes that might feel like what the trade deadline is because you know, you're you're coming up upon that hard deadline and it is what it is. Everybody knows it and other teams can potentially try to take advantage of you during that time, play a little bit of hardball knowing what you need and the Cardinals oftentimes have kind of stayed silent in those moments if they're not trading away from the 40-man for younger assets like trading away Tommy Pham, etc. So I think it's fair, it's a fair criticism or at least a fair challenge to the front office to say look now is when you have to buck that that trend and make impact moves at this deadline to acquire you know the big names like Max Scherzer that'd be great but at, at positions of need you've got to acquire the the quality contributors that can help you out 2011 did happen that was a trade that Cardinals send away Colby Rasmus and they get all these random misfit toys that end up working out splendidly for what the Cardinals needed at the time. That's the kind of move they need right now. And identifying who those players are is nigh impossible because at the time that the Colby Rasmus deal was made, everybody was like, what the hell are they doing? Getting a a bunch of average Joe mediocre players for a guy with a potentially bright future. Nobody liked the deal at the time. It worked out. The Cardinals needed that trade to, to win in 2011. They just did. And so... To be able to identify and make that next move, Mosaic's got to be able to figure out how to facilitate that. But also, we have to recognize that if and when the Cardinals do make some moves, we may not know right away whether it's the move or not. We think the moves are Max Scherzer. I think the move is Joey Gallo. Hit his 11th home run, I believe, tonight. I think that's the kind of those are the kinds of moves the Cardinals should chase. And I recognize looking at the prospect list last night that they don't have a whole lot of guys that you're going to be willing to give away, but that's where you got to get creative. Do you trade a shortstop? Do you trade Paul DeYoung to try to make something happen? You know, that might be the kind of feel of a Colby Rasmus trade where they were high on Rasmus, wasn't reaching those expectations necessarily, and they made the, the decision that they made. 
could you say, well, Edmundo Sosa, we believe in him. We're going to trade DeYoung, or do you do you trade Sosa? Say when DeYoung's coming back. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I know that creativity is going to be required. So, Mike asks, arguably the best prospect in the system, why are the Cards not grooming Gorman more for second base? To this point, 27 games, he's only played seven at second, none in the outfield. He's an important part of the future, but it's not at third anymore. Great point. My only answer to this question, and I didn't know these numbers, I'm going to take Mike's word for them because I'm already getting pretty late into this podcast and got a lot of questions to get to. But if he's only played seven at second base, I don't think that's enough. And I think he should be getting reps in the outfield. Nothing that happens down there matters other than his development. So move him around. Get him. If you think Nolan Arnado is not going to opt out, then he, this guy's not going to play third base. The only thing I could think that could be the thought process behind leaving him mostly at third is that they know the DH is coming next year and they just don't think he's ever going to have to play defense in St. Louis. But that I don't think that's a, a great way to play in either because you might as well get him experience while you can at various positions. So, Mike, I totally agree. I, he should not be – third base should maybe be half of what he does, but probably not even. Get him more reps at second, more in the outfield, and put him at first some if you have to as well. Gibson's Wrath asks, Brendan, what is the minimum number of replacement level – number of pitchers an MLB team must have to make the playoffs, and how does STL begin to approach that number, replacement level or better, to be specific, he says. Yeah, right now, I would say you need more than they probably have, more than they're fielding on the present roster. If you have Michaelis return and he is that, okay. If you have KK return and he is that, okay. If you have Jack Flaherty return in August and he is Jack Flaherty, yeah, I think you're there. And I think the issues the bullpen has had will kind of mellow out as well as time goes on. But I also think you need to be attacking these incremental upgrades. Like I mentioned, Mosaic always likes to talk about those. Those are the kind of upgrades that you need. And I don't think adding the Waddle kid from Baltimore is the you know guys who've been cast off multiple times within a season. Adalberto Mejia was a guy the Cardinals added, like I think that was last summer, two summers ago where they, they add these guys from the scrap heap. That's not the moves I'm talking about. Incremental upgrades. Actually go out and get some guys that, that could potentially reshape your bullpen. Those are the kinds of moves the Cardinals need. No, they don't have enough of those guys right now. Could I see a world in which they do? If guys get healthy, yeah. But I do also think you've got to make bullpen moves too. And those are easier to make because there's relievers that fly around at the deadline every year. You can find a couple. Throw, throw numbers at the problem. Grab arms, as many of them as you can come up with, and let the rest play out from there. William asks, is it true? Really nothing that can be done right now. Front office will need to wait until July, correct? Too many injuries. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've said as much as they need to make a trade, they don't like to deal from a, a position of weakness, and right now that's kind of what you'd be doing because everybody knows what your injuries are. So William has a good point. Do they have to wait till July? They don't have to. Historically, they've done it. There haven't been that many impact moves they've made in June. This is maybe a different situation. And I don't know that I agree with them being so hesitant to sign a free agent either. Because if you don't do something, your problems that you have in early June are still going to be your problems in July. Injuries, while you can get guys back, you can also lose more guys. So if there's free agents out there, I don't care if it takes them a month to ramp up. I don't know that I agree with Mosellock's position on saying they don't they don't need to explore that market because the guys would, would need considerable time to ramp up. I don't know. Get guys into the organization. Wouldn't cost you much. They're, they're not doing anything, these free agent arms. Look at some of them, maybe add one. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially if it's a reliever. They're mostly talking about starters when you're looking at that. 
Like Rick, Rick Porcello, I think, is one of those names. But who cares? If, it, if the cost is not exorbitant, I would be considering all options. You cannot afford to, to overlook any options right now if you're the Cardinals. Facetious Gnome, can this year's slogan be Shilt the Bed 2021? See, that was probably one I wouldn't have read. But uh, And again, I don't think Mike Schilt is the problem here, guys. I understand you don't like the the lines maybe you're being fed by the Cardinals manager right now, but the personnel is the personnel, and I don't think this this guy, whatever he says to you does, and in the media doesn't necessarily mean it's what he fully believes. He's got to put on a brave face a little bit, and I think that he's got a good handle for where they're at. I'm sure he's not happy with where they're at right now either. But nauseating optimism is kind of his style. So I, I haven't been surprised by anything that I've heard from Mike Schilt. That doesn't mean y'all have to think it's awesome, but it, it just kind of is what it is. I don't think Mike Schilt is the problem with the Cardinals. I will say that. Allison asks, why should fans want to pay to go to games just to continue to see losses if there are no changes made to better the team? I think it's a fair question. People talk about how exciting it'll be when you get full capacity back. But they've got plenty of $6 ticket offers. They've got plenty of... I think they they know that it's just not going to be magic 40,000 fans returning to the stands every night, especially when you play the Marlins midweek. That's a Monday through Wednesday series, I think it is, when they return to full capacity next week. I don't necessarily think you're going to have sellout crowds at those games, especially if the, the team gets their butts handed to them in Chicago. So, yeah, Allison, you're right. Cardinals have to make some changes. I don't disagree. Gary, do slumps end, or will I have to go until the rest of the season hearing how bad Mo is? Um, Slumps do end. I know if you're reading Twitter, you're going to see how bad Mo is. I think a little bit over-trumped. You'll see some of that information. But Mo does have to make some moves. Before the trade deadline, got to make some moves. Zach, who should they try to sell at the deadline? No, I don't think the Cardinals have any reason to sell at the deadline. Wainwright, Yachty, those guys on expiring contracts, you're not gonna you don't want them ending up anywhere else to finish off their career. I don't think you can sell. I think where the Cardinals are at, they have committed themselves to trying to contend this year. You've got to be buyers. At and, and if that puts you in a position that really mortgages the future, you almost kinda have to take your shot. I don't think you can afford to sit in the middle and I don't think you can sell. That's not gonna be a thing for me. Carter asks, Are you a hot dog or a hamburger guy? I am both. Uh, I had a couple of hot dogs tonight in the press box, and they got the big jumbo ones back in the press box, which are, those are awesome, the ballpark kind. But I also like me a good cheeseburger as well. So, Jen asks, are people finally out of the tsunami is back ridiculousness? I know it's more than him, but damn, I was there tonight and it was rough. Okay, everything was rough. After the five spot in the order, the struggle is real. Jen, those are great comments. I don't think I have a whole lot to respond about it. Uh, tsunami is back. You remember Carlos Martinez said the tsunami is back a few weeks ago. I believe he's given up like 28 earned runs and in 25 innings or something like that. Maybe vice versa. The ERA is around 9 or 10 since he made that comment. But certainly a lot of that is because of the last two starts. Four and two-thirds innings, 15 earned runs. Yep, that's not great. So... STL Sports Central asks, what percentage of the blame do you give on to injuries for the current Cardinals slide? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a percentage. I don't know if 33% is that fair because I would chalk up the, the remaining players as being the bulk of the reason that they're struggling because even if you have all three of those injured starters healthy, you're still scoring at the rate that you're scoring, and that's simply not enough. The bullpen is still having the issues it's having even without the injuries to the rotation. 
Bader being in there, I know Bader is the, the guy of STL Sports Central who asked this question. That would definitely help your lineup situation a little bit. But I think by and large, you still got to roll with the guys that you've got and you've got to find ways to win games. You can't lose six in a row, you know? Birds on the bat, Leth asks, who's the next player the Cardinals trade away that becomes a baseball sensation, even if it's only for a fleeting moment? This is a good question because you've had Patrick Wisdom do it this year. You've had Adelise Garcia go absolutely bonkers for the Rangers. Both these guys doing it at like 28, 29 years old multiple years after the Cardinals cast them aside. And so that sucks, right? And the fact that Patrick Wisdom is doing it for the Cubs now, I mentioned his eight home runs this season. Cards will see him over the weekend in Wrigley, and that'll be interesting to see if he continues it against Cardinals pitching or not. I asked this question walking out of the press box tonight. Gerald Munoz was the name that we decided would be the funniest if that happened, because he left the Cardinals, like the, that was the right decision for the Cardinals to get rid of him. And when he was here, I not, never thought he was any good. So that, to me, would be the most objectively hilarious name that could could turn into a stud with the Red Sox. I don't know if he's injured or what it is right now, but I haven't really checked up on him recently. That would be the funniest name to me. Who they currently have that they could trade away and become the next sensation. I don't know. I mean, it could be if they do go with a shortstop trade, whether they deal DeYoung or Sosa, maybe that would be the answer that whoever they deal really settles into their own. Like, could you imagine they say, hey, Sosa's going to be our guy, and they deal DeYoung, and then DeYoung does what he's certainly capable of doing, playing good shortstop defense, hitting 30 home runs a year, but then up in that OPS a little bit as well, slugging consistently, batting at a higher average. That would be the icing on the cake, but that's maybe a little bit too of a high-caliber guy because we've seen DeYoung do it before. We'll just have to wait and see what they do. I don't think they're trading DeYoung, but it's it's not crazy to talk about anything at this point in time this season because it's getting, like I said in the words of the wise Olivia Rodrigo, God, it's brutal out here. That's how it's going for the Cardinals here in June where it's been pretty ugly. Let's pull it back up on the Twitter tweets. Ryan says, hey, Brendan, longtime listener, first-time caller. Can you get me, and I guess that's uh, his his brother. He, t- he tags somebody in here, Ryan does. In a locked room with Mosellock, don't let us out until we come up with a plan to turn this ship around. I don't have the power to do that, but John, who is tagging the tweet, says he knows a way to get Acuna and Soto, and the Cardinals won't have to give up much to get that done. So I would say if you're capable of that, you should send Mosellock an email because he would probably like to hear about your plan. Andrew, how long is the leash on Jeff Albert? Yep, we've talked about that. It's a great question. One that I think uh, we'll be talking about more and more as as the Cardinals' offensive struggles continue, if that indeed is the case. John Redbird asks, could Reyes start? Great question and something that I did touch on in yesterday's podcast. So because we're already closing in on 40 minutes today, it's going to be one of a longer podcast. Not going to get too in-depth on it, but... Yeah, that was a decision the Cardinals made in the offseason that he wasn't going to be asked to be a starter this year. You thought at the time you had depth. Guess what? Now you don't. And historically, the Cardinals don't tend to take guys out of the closer role when they're thriving in that situation. So, yeah, I I don't think they're going to make any move there. But, yep, it's a fair question. I think it's the kind of thinking the Cardinals should be employing right now, but historically have not done. Chicho asks, why does every player that leaves explode on their new team? Every player that comes in implodes. Man, so frustrating. Yep, we've talked about some of the guys that have exploded. Arena, certainly, you know, we mentioned him. That's part of the reason, too, that I don't think you can put Libertor in 
on Friday because if the guy that you traded for to you know you got for Rosarena ends up blowing up in his first start at Wrigley Field against your hated rival the Cubs first place in the Central that would be so bad I mean PR hits don't mean much on the field but I I think the Cardinals John Mozeliak they've got to be tired enough of hearing about it guys like Rosarena and Garcia and now Wisdom that I don't think you can risk it but yeah it's happened guys that leave has have exploded but to be fair again multiple years later for wisdom and garcia a rosarena that was a big whiff no doubt but come on it's crazy that it's happened it's hilarious from like a really sadistic standpoint but garcia at least garcia was also dfa'd by the rangers before they brought him back no team claimed him it's just one of those things man i don't know how i do not know how to explain those two wisdom and Garcia. I thought both had some chops when they were with the Cardinals, but, I, you know, there's a bunch of other guys who you thought had similar chops, and they didn't pan out, and now these guys are. Can't explain it. Should they consider signing Air Bud? Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. I've seen those movies. Dude's pretty good. And we're going to wrap it up here with at Arenado W, Arenado W. Chris Davis with a KH, future Cardinal, question mark. Yeah, Crush Davis was uh, DFA'd by the Texas Rangers today. I guess if you've got Adelis Garcia, you don't need Chris Davis around. But you recall this guy's a former home run champion, hit 42, 43, 48 home runs from 2016 to 2018. He also, and this is just one of the craziest baseball stats I think I've ever seen, from 2015 to 2018, Chris Davis, when he was with, going from Milwaukee to the Athletics, he hit 247 every year. Four years in a row, he had a 247 batting average right on the dot. How does that happen? But the power was more than enough to offset the slightly low batting average. He's declined even further since 220, 200 last year, and now hitting just 157. Still taking some walks, just a couple of bombs in 61 plate appearances. Just hasn't really played a whole lot. I know he's probably getting paid a little bit. Whatever his remaining contract this season is, is probably kind of substantial, I, I would think. I would have to look it up to see what his salary is. Yeah, $16 million, over $16 million, so he's probably got some money left on that deal. Uh, you could you could try to claim him, I guess, and you'd be paying him. I don't think the Cardinals are going to delve into that, but I, I again... If it weren't so much money, I would be clamoring and saying it would be a terrible mistake not to do it. Knowing what the money situation is, if they if they can't find a way to maybe orchestrate a trade, get the Rangers to eat some of that money, to say, hey, we gave you Adelise Garcia, maybe you throw us this guy and eat some of his money. Because the Rangers are going to have to pay him anyway, regardless. But yeah, I think that would be a great ad, Crush Davis, because Bader's not coming back anytime soon. That's a little bit of news that we... I feel bad for only getting to at the end of this podcast, but Mike Schilt was asked Tuesday afternoon before the game what the status on Bader was because when he went down with the rib injury, remember he rolled over the ball like last Saturday against Chicago White Sox, blooping drive into center field by Madrigal, and he kind of rolled over on it and broke his rib, fractured a rib. And they thought maybe 10 days, two weeks, it's it's been longer than that already, and he's not doing any baseball activity. Not going to be back for a while, I would say. And Mike Schilt didn't put a timetable on it, but he said not in the immediate future. 
I would say pre-All-Star break would be a win for the fact that he's not doing any activity right now and you go a few weeks without any activity, you're then going to have to spend some time ramping back up. And we've only got about a month, I think, before the All-Star break. So to get him back before then would be a positive. Hopefully you get him back shortly after the All-Star break. But until he starts doing some baseball activity, it's really hard to gauge what that could look like. The healing process just hasn't gone as they'd hoped. And so that means you've still got maybe a spot in your outfield. I know you could put Edmund out there continuously. Matt Carpenter is performing offensively, so I'm of the opinion that you get him in there into the lineup as many days as as you can and until it stops, you know, until he kind of reverts back to where he was, which was in an unfortunate state for his offensive game, Matt Carpenter. But yeah, you've got room for a slugger in the outfield and maybe you can recapture some magic with Chris Davis or maybe you're overpaying him and he's going to just strike out and be kind of like Matt Carpenter was at the beginning of the year without any power. So I don't know that that's going to happen, but I do think those are the kinds of ideas the Cardinals should be exploring. So we'll see if anything takes place. But hey, we've run really, really long on this podcast. B-Shape Daily, always fun doing it. But man, it's about double the length of some of our other episodes. Appreciate the heck out of you guys for listening and for all of you who ask questions. If I missed a question somehow and didn't get to it, bug me in a DM because I'm accessible. You'll find me at B-Shape for 12 And shoot, I'll get to you next time. I really do want to get to everybody because without y'all, I wouldn't have a show to do. There wouldn't be any reason. But there are people out there listening. I know there are. I talk to you guys. It means the world when you reach out to me and I can kind of interact with you about Cardinals baseball. It's awesome. So thanks for listening. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. You know the drill. If it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, any of those main three hubs, several other places, if you go to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, and click on the More Platforms tab. You can find some other ways to listen. I say you subscribe in all the locations, but one should suffice. You don't want to overload your phone with too many apps, so I understand that. But definitely get on board so we can continue to talk Cardinals baseball even after they stop sucking. Wouldn't that be fun? All right, it's Adam Wainwright on the mound on Wednesday. Hopefully the next time I talk to you, the Cardinals will snap the losing streak. Wayno will have been Wayno, and we can talk about some stuff that's a little bit less bleak. Appreciate you guys once again, and this has been Be Shaped Daily. Peace.